Welcome to Rivers in the Wasteland. I'm your host, Amanda Williams, and today I'd like to introduce you to a fellow podcaster, Barbara Gian, who had been with her husband for 20 years before finding out he had been an addict the entire time. She will take us on a journey today with her from heartache to full restoration. Let's get to it. All right. So I am here today with Barbara. She is from the Something to Bless podcast. And can you tell our listeners how you came up with a name? Because I love this little story. Yeah. A few years ago, I was in a coaching program and I remember my coach saying something along the lines of, if you want God to bless your work or whatever it is you're doing, you got to give him something to work with, or you got to give him something to bless. And that little phrase right there, something to bless just stuck out. And I just grabbed a hold of it and didn't even have an idea that I was going to do a podcast at that time, but I loved nice. it. And so yeah, when I came up with the podcast idea, I was like, it's going to be called something to bless. I just love that. There's so much to offer others. Yeah. Give them something to bless. That is so great. I actually, I got a chance to know you a little bit on our first conversation that we had just, it seems like it was just a few days ago. And I was really struck by the story that you have of your marriage. And I actually went on your podcast and I went back and I listened to your husband's testimony. And I also went down and listened to the follow-up. And so it was so neat to have both perspectives because now I'm invested. Now I have both sides of the story. (laughs) So I have to know, where did you and your husband meet? We met uh, through his sister, who was my best friend in high school. And when we met, there's a three-year age difference. He's three years older. Um, I was only 15. And so at that age, it's weird to think back now, but at that age, I remember thinking like, I had no romantic thoughts of him whatsoever. And I, at that time, even though it's just three years, I thought, like, he's, he's a man. <laughs> he's, he's too old for yeah. me. Um, yeah. But I didn't look at him like that at all. But yes, I met him okay. through my best friend at the time. Now, did he look at you like that? No, not at no? all. You know, he not was, until you were legal? I was, <laughs> right. I was barely, like, in the beginning of my high school, he was at the end. So he oh, was already... Okay. Yeah, okay. he was driving, he was working, he was doing all the things, and we were on two completely yeah. different levels of aging stage. Sense. Yeah. So how long have you and your husband been married today? Uh, to, well, we did everything backwards. So we've been together for 20, almost 29 years. We've been married for, the reason I don't know quickly how many years is because we don't celebrate our anniversary, which is oh. another story. If you want to know, I'll okay. share that with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's oh pretty sad. Yes. It's pretty why sad, don't, but... why don't you celebrate your anniversary? Well, we got married in 2006 at the beginning of 2006, January actually. And this was before he, you know, realized he had a problem. He drank so much the night of our wedding. We, I had just lost my mom a few months before that. And we had gone through this whole year-long trial ourselves as a couple um, because backing up several months, um, he betrayed me. And we had separated. And during that time, I found out my mom was sick. And it was just a really awful, horrible time. And after she passed... Um, he just was very, very persistent about working things out. And I just 
really was tired. I was tired of fighting and being in this really poor emotional state. And so I gave in and that's kind of how I said yes to him asking me to marry him. We had already had two kids together. We've been living together for years. Um, but we got married in January in Vegas of all places. And because it was such a sensitive time, I have a lot of siblings. Um, I think six of them showed up in Vegas for our wedding. And that night he and all the, everybody there, they just got completely drunk. And so at our wedding dinner, he couldn't even stay awake. He was literally falling asleep. It was, so of course I was upset and yeah. And then it was a really rough year after that. And so we did not celebrate the first anniversary just because I think I was still so bitter and resentful toward him. Um, and yeah. And ever since then, it's like, I I've had this resentment. I don't have the resentment now. It's more sad. Like what a shame type of feeling that I have yeah. about it. But yeah, we've been married since 2006. So I'm going to have to do the math. Um, well, maybe you can redeem that now that you are on the other side of a different, you know, different stage in your marriage. You guys can reclaim that, redeem that and celebrate in a different way. Yeah. I think we both are feeling that way too. So we yeah. will. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you have two kids together? We have three. Or three. Yeah. Yeah. They're all spread out in age. So our oldest, uh, Gabby is 27 and actually she'll be 28 next month. So that's just crazy to say that out loud. And then Mia is 21 and Cruz, our youngest is 14. So they're all six years apart. Yeah. Wow. And okay. So I know you have a beautiful testimony of God working out your marriage, but I was shocked to find out that at one point you filed for divorce. Mm. So can you just take us back to the beginning and share your story of how things were when you first got married and kind of how things unfolded up into that? I think I remember in your episode, you talked about one summer where everything kind of came to a head, but start from the beginning for us and just kind of share with us the journey that you guys went on. Yeah. Well, it started, like I just mentioned, uh, us getting married in 2006 after being together for so many years and having the two kids already. And, um, there had been a lot of drinking. That's, that was kind of a staple in our life, in our relationship, him much more than me. But for us, that was just part of our life. I didn't even think twice about that. And, uh, we, we lived in Northern California at the time. Um, and we had a third child later on in 2009. Um, I was teaching there where we lived. He was an officer in the jails for 20 years. He got a medical retirement in 2015 and where we lived was not a lot to do. So we had vacationed to Southern California and he and our middle daughter fell in love with the area that we vacationed at and started asking to move here. And I was just so attached to my hometown. Like, well, it wasn't my hometown, but where we lived because that's where I had my family. Um, and I still had a grandma that was like a second mom to me and my dad and, uh, they ended up passing both of them. Uh, my dad in 2016 and my grandma in 2017 And once I lost her, I was just 
like, okay, I, you know, we'll, we'll go ahead and leave now. And so it was hard to leave my job and family and friends, but we moved to Southern California and my husband's also, um, a Gulf war vet. So he had been having some issues really minor with his health, but he was addressing them. When we moved here in 2017, our oldest was already in college. So it was just the two kids with us in the very beginning. It was perfect. It was happy. We were so grateful to be here so close to the beach and in this new place. But shortly after, over the next year or so, his health really started declining. I mean, he was just losing weight. He wasn't sleeping well. He was just experiencing all these different things. And my concern, of course, naturally was growing like, oh my gosh, what is going on with him? Like, what can I do to help him and support him? And he had told me that it was a bunch of different things that he had PTSD, that he had, he was bipolar, that he had Crohn's disease, that he had all these different things. And so, you know, I realize now sometimes when you're just so close to the situation, you can't really see red flags yeah. for being red flags. Um, yeah. Well, you want to believe the best in yeah, someone, especially your spouse. Right. And I, you know, I had really no reason to think anything else. I just, I just didn't, but there was a time when he went to, uh, my sister, my brother-in-law's dad had passed away and I don't, I don't remember why it might been, might been because of work, but I couldn't make it. And so he went alone. And I remember my sister calling me and saying, something's not right with him. Like, is he doing, she asked, is he doing drugs? And I'm like, no, why would you ask that? And she goes, I don't know. I just, I just feel like there's something off with him. And so she was the first one to kind of pick up on something. And things just continued to get worse. And one time he went to our oldest and she was about five hours from us. She had car issues. He went down to help her. He didn't come back for five or six days. It was supposed to be like an overnight one day deal. And he kept making up excuses over the phone that didn't make any sense to me. They, nothing was making sense. And so then of course I'm like, what in the world is happening? What's going on? This was so out of character. And he ended up coming back home, but things just continued to spiral. And I, when I finally started to suspect, cause I was sharing with certain friends and family and they were saying, is he doing drugs? Everyone was asking the same question. Is he doing drugs? And I'm like, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I have no proof. And one day, uh, he was taking my Jeep somewhere and the door was open while he was grabbing something. And I saw his little backpack and I grabbed it and I, he came and he wouldn't let me hold on to that bag. And so then I really was like, okay, there's something in here. Like he's just, you know, this is just too crazy. Um, but again, like he never came to bed anymore. He was losing weight dramatically. His hair was growing out. He was just always sweaty and on edge. And it was just, it was just getting worse and worse. And so it's like, I probably shared in in the episode that you heard, it's, it's very blurry, the order of things. Yeah. Um, but once I discovered or realized what it was, um, gosh, it was so hard and it just became unbearable to, to be under the same roof as him. Um, our oldest was home from college and she's the more feisty one to not put up with anything. And he, he was just being really nasty with her and 
she was nasty back and we couldn't stay here. Things became unpredictable and they felt unsafe. And, um, you know, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and I seeked out counsel from my pastor at the time. And I had to go to the courts here to get an order to have him forcibly moved out of the house because he just wouldn't leave. Um, so I did that. But even when I did that, he refused. He barricaded himself inside the house and we were forced to go and find other arrangements, um, here in town. And then, yeah. And then I had to file for divorce. So I felt like that was just some, the next thing, like I, I, I was done. I was completely done with him and dealing yeah. with any of this. Um, shortly after he eventually ended up moving out and we came back in and settled in and not long after, I want to say maybe a month, a month or had passed. Um, he checked himself into a halfway home and came clean and just admitted that he had a problem. He was doing meth, um, that he's always done drugs throughout our entire time together. I had no clue. Um, and that he would balance it out with alcohol. And that's why when he did drink, it was in excess. It was ridiculous amount of alcohol. Um, but he said, because he had to keep himself balanced out that way. Mm, that's so, interesting. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I'm just shocked. Like at this, you know, when I was growing up, uh, my mom was a drug user and she married a man who was a drug user. And there was a lot of violence in the house when they were together. And I just hated drugs from a young age because of what I saw in front of me. And so I, I, I've never done a drug in my life. I mean, I drank a ton starting at a young age myself. I was always out drinking, missing school, doing all the things, but I always had a, a really strong hatred for drugs. And so I never did them. I never uh, wanted to be around anybody else who was doing them. And so to come and find out that I was married to somebody who was doing them and then, you know, became addicted was just unbelievable. Sure. That I imagine that was a really hard realization. Will you back up just a little bit and share um, about the hospital and kind of the moment that your husband had um, about how he came clean? Because I feel like that is such an important piece of the story. Um before he admitted to you guys that about being an addict. Yeah. Yeah. The story you're talking about, he, at, we had almost no contact by this point. Um, okay. I wasn't taking his calls. Uh, I was just, I was already way past the point of wanting anything to do with him. And he was still out bouncing around from place to place. And apparently he got really, really sick to the point. I mean, I did get to see him throughout here and there and his ankles and his feet were just swollen to the point where he couldn't even wear shoes anymore um, wow. because of his drug use. And he was, you know, using needles by this point too. So he end, ends up in the hospital uh, and he's got kidney failure and he has no previous history of any, you know, anything at all. So this kind of seemed to come out of nowhere. 
Um, but it's all the stuff he was also drinking. I don't know what the name of the syrup is, but it's a, maybe it's GHT. He was drinking something that was like really, really toxic for your organs, your liver and your kidney. Never even heard of that. Yeah. He was doing all kinds of stuff. So he ends up in the hospital and, you know, they tell him like, you're going to have to go on dialysis. Your kidneys are failing. And he has this experience with a nurse coming in and I can't even remember, you know, the full wording of what was said, but she comes and asks him if he prays, um, and where's his family and he needs God. And she's encouraging him to turn to God. And he's just kind of at a point of like, they all gave up on me. He's hopeless himself. He eventually just checks out of the hospital and he gets out. But when he comes back and asks for that nurse and, and asks about that nurse, nobody knew who or what he was talking about. Oh my gosh. He is 100% convinced it was an angel. Like it was, wow, supernatural experience that he had. Yeah, um, he had an encounter. He had an encounter, yeah, and he came back and he described her to the T and nobody, they were like, that wasn't, your nurse was this person, that that wasn't your nurse and we don't have anybody who sounds like what you're describing. And so after that, I think is when his eyes were finally opened and he just had the willingness to surrender and to start by just being honest and getting the help that he needed to get. And, you know, he had one relapse um, initially, but it's been five years now and wow. he's very, very involved in his recovery and Praise God. Yeah. And helping others um in theirs. So yeah. just this year started sponsoring people, other guys. Yeah. That's great. Now what was your uh reaction when he had that experience at the hospital and came clean, was it hard for you to accept it and believe it? Or were you just like waiting with open arms? Like, what was that like for you? Um, it was mixed. It really hurt to see kind of like a shell of who he used to be. He just was so broken. And so, and I was used to him being strong and yeah, just, you know, the provider, the protector of the home. And he just was so not that he was everything but that. And, uh, so it was, it was, it was a lot of mixed emotions. Um, I still did not, I still thought the marriage was completely over and dead, but of course, you know, I, I loved him deeply and I wanted to still help him and support him and, uh, be there for him now that he was trying to get the help that he needed. Um, but it took a while for me to emotionally reconnect. And, uh, even when I did, it was just still questioning myself. You mentioned on your follow-up episode to his story that there was a time where you felt like you had to grieve your husband Mm -hmm. and who you remembered him to be. Can you share a little bit about that emotion and what that was like? Cause I feel like that is something very relatable for people who are dealing with a spouse who has addiction. Yeah, it's so hard. Uh, I know what grief feels like when you lose somebody, like when I lost my mom and then I lost my dad and I lost, you know, and I've lost other people. So I know what that deep pain feels like of losing someone. And so there were a couple of times when he went 
MIA like two weeks and I had no clue where he was. And I was just trying to come to terms like, how does this happen? Like we were together, we had a family, we've been together for this long. We, we, everything was normal and healthy and, and fine. And then now I have a husband, my children's father is missing, literally. Like I had to file a missing persons report and he's strung out on drugs. It was so deeply painful, especially at night. You know, when you go to sleep, that's always the hardest time when you have something heavy going on. But that's what I felt like, like the man I knew, the man I was married to was dead. And now there's this addicted person who's on the streets holding signs. I had found a sign in our garage. I forget what it said, but you know, for him to ask for money or whatever. Wow. It was, it was heartbreaking. and, And also just having kids thinking of their dad being in this predicament. It was just really heartbreaking. I broke, my heart broke for their, for their sake, for them, for what they had to now experience and see and, and take to bed themselves. Yeah. Would you have ever thought, let's say five years before everything came to a head, if someone had, would have told you that same story, would you have ever thought that it was possible to live with someone for that long and not know something that big? No. But this is another thing, and I and I, this just popped up in my mind as why I was so blind or why I couldn't see things that I should have been able to see. We've always had kind of separate lives. For all of his career, almost 20 years, he worked the night shift. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, so I pretty much raised the girls on my own. Because he worked all night long and then he slept during the day and he woke up, he ate and he did it again. And so, and he worked weekends um, often. So I did a lot of things alone. I mean, I can see why I miss so much. We just, he, yeah. he had, he had a lot of privacy and time away from me mm-hmm. and I was preoccupied raising the kids and mm-hmm. working and doing all the things. Um, and yeah, and that applies even to going to church. I mean, in 2005, or maybe sooner, when I found out my mom was terminally ill, I was just so devastated. And and then shortly after that is when my husband was unfaithful to me. And it was just like, oh, I didn't know what to do. And I shared it with a friend and she invited me to church and I went to the church and I never looked back. And so I raised my kids up in the church and just continued growing all those years, um, in my faith. And he never, he never went, he never was interested, but his work schedule also didn't really allow him to. That would be hard. Yeah. So what, what was your relationship or dialogue with God during this season where everything was out in the open? How did he carry you through that time? Was there a verse that stood out to you that you cling to or a story or a song or something that really touched you during that time to keep you holding on? During the most recent episode where it was uh, around the addiction, it was Philippians 4, 6 through 7, because I was so constantly stressed out and upset, emotional. I mean, I had all the emotions going on inside of me and I was, you know, had my kids again to focus on. 
and that verse, um, it's like, do not be anxious, but present your request before God with thanksgiving, and he will guard your heart and your mind um, in Christ Jesus. And I remember having that that verse on repeat day in, day out, like yes. crazy. Yeah. Yes. That's a really good one. Yeah. It's so good because I feel like our minds are such a battlefield. And if we can get that concept of submitting everything to the Lord, then I feel like it is so much more um, doable to get through everything life throws at us. So I love that one. I can see how that would really, really carry you through that season. Yeah. And you know, whenever it's a command, like do he's, God's telling us, do not be anxious. He's telling me, do not be anxious. I don't have to be anxious. I can Mm -hmm. give this, whatever I'm dealing with, I can give it up to him and he will protect me. That's his promise back to me. So yes, that's really good. Did you ever feel at any point that you're like, okay, like I'm not being anxious. Like I need this to change. (laughs) Um, did I ever get like the peace from that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I did after. Yeah, I did. Eventually after a while of so much, just praying and releasing and surrender. And that's the other thing is just constant surrender. Like God, I give this to you. I cannot, I can't do it. So here, take it. You know, there's so many verses in the Bible that tell us to also cast our anxieties, cast our cares. Um, and so I just tried to do that, but yeah, eventually I did get to a place of peace. And when I filed for divorce, um, I, that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, because that was like a death too. It's like, yeah, you spend, you have this whole life, you build this life with someone. Um, and then that's it. Like what? It was so big and heavy to me. But I, I felt like that was the right thing to do. Um, so I did that. And I had to find a new sense of joy um, in my new beginning, my new chapter. Even though it didn't stay that way. But at that time, I felt like I did step into a new level of peace. Okay. So you had that experience. And then at what point did you feel like, okay, we're, gonna, we're not going to get divorced? And I'm assuming that was after he had that encounter and he decided he was going to be clean and all of that. Um, what, at what time did you start feeling the hope that not only you could stay married, but it would be a a God centered marriage. I have a best friend, um, who always just keeps it real and, you know, shares whatever is on her heart. So she knows she knew everything that was going on. And as it was like, as I, as things happened, I was keeping her in the loop. And once I shared with her that he checked himself into a rehab home and was getting help, then she said, don't you think maybe you should pause on the divorce? Uh, Because throughout the proceedings, and we had been already almost six months into the proceedings um, through the courts, it takes forever. Uh, But she said, since he didn't have any involvement whatsoever, he just was not in any kind of state of mind to do that. Um, that maybe allow him to get get help, um, get well, and then reconsider it once he's able to participate. And so I just didn't pursue. Um, go, I, there was a court date, and I just didn't show up. And that was my way of not 
continuing on with the divorce, the, the proceedings. And so, um, I allowed him to move back in, uh, after he had been in the house for a couple months, the halfway house, I allowed him to come back in our home and we slept in separate rooms and, you know, there was no talk of getting back together. And then after about a month or so, we started talking about possibly working things out. But, and I don't remember talks about God or, or any of that, but it did come up uh, for sure and was decided like, yeah, that was definitely something that he was going to commit to on his own. He had come to me um, sharing his newfound faith and, and kind of relationship with God uh, and how much time he spent in prayer and was given his life to God. And so it wasn't like, you know, like I mentioned before, I was emotionally done. I, I didn't feel anything anymore about with the marriage part of it. I just, I mean, I felt sad. It felt really heartbreaking that, you know, we had all that and then it was just over. But I just, I didn't have a desire to be with him. Uh, my views of him had just changed so dramatically. Um, and, you know, he caused a lot of destruction to our family sure. and to the house. And so, yeah. um, I just, we, after so much talking and being under the same roof for a little bit, decided that we could figure a way out to work it out. And so it, you know, it we went slow, but over time we just ended up deciding that we would stay together and make it work. And, and he's, he has been committed. He has given his life to God since that day or since that time. Um, and so it's authentic. It's not like he was just talking the talk. He has walked the walk. And now so many years later, I mean, we're five years post all of that, but you know, twenties, almost gosh, 30 years into our relationship together, we're finally in a place of both serving and loving and honoring God. And that's amazing. That's remarkable just to have that drastic of a change and really beautiful to be able to have a marriage that you have two people who are chasing after God, because I'm, I bet it feels different. Oh, it's nothing like, yeah, it's completely different than what we had always had. And I mean, I feel sad that our two older daughters didn't get to see it, didn't get mm. to be in the same house sure. with us, but you, we can't go back. Uh, we have yeah. our son who's still 14 and, um, or he's still young. He's, he's any, you know, it's since he was, I'll say nine has seen us serving and honoring God. And so I'm grateful for that. That's great. I was curious now that you're on the other side of it as a spouse of an addict, what wisdom would you have for another spouse who may still be in the middle of the season? I would probably just offer the thought that you're stronger than you think. Um, God will step in and fill in where you can't or where you don't feel you can. Um, you have more power and control than you think. I know that word can kind of have a negative connotation sometimes, but there are things in our control, um, like prayer. I covered, I covered my husband in prayer and I believe in the power of prayer. Um, I went to support groups. I went to Naranon and I only did that for about a month, uh, because I just felt like so strong in my faith, just with God that 
that's what that that's what I really turn to and rely on. But those group those groups are amazing. But also that this type of situation is never about you. You're dealing with a sick person. Coming to a place of understanding that there's really nothing you can do to make them well or make them stop doing what they're doing. You can't use kids. You can't use yourself. Like that is something that the sick person has to be willing to do. Mm -hmm. So I guess releasing yourself from any responsibility, just surrender everything to God ultimately. That's good because he's in control. He is the one that's in control of all of it. And that surrender, I'm sure, is terrifying. I love that you share your story. And I'm so thankful for your story because it's going to give strength. And I'm sure it already has to people that have already heard it. But um, the more people who hear it, you know, they will see how the Lord worked and restored. And it'll give people hope because. I know so many spouses, you know, they love their spouse that's going through it. And I just think it's so powerful for them to see someone who has been able to weather the storm and come out on the other side, both loving the Lord. And I think that's just so powerful. And I just am so happy for you guys. I think it's wonderful. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to hear your story. I would encourage everyone to go check out Something to Bless podcast. In 2022 were the episodes where her husband, his name on there is listed as Juan, right? I know you said you call him Carlos, but it's Juan. (laughs) On, On the episode, he walks in detail through his PTSD from the Gulf War and even PTSD from being a corrections officer, he described yeah. a lot of that, which was really interesting to me. And he talks a lot about mental health and his story is something that is worth hearing. So if anybody gravitated to this episode, I would encourage you to go on to her podcast, Something to Bless, go back to 2022 and find those episodes. And then the last thing I wanted to make sure I let them all know, our listeners, is that you have a devotional, right? Oh, yeah. So she has a devotional and some affirmation cards that are all biblically based. Can you tell them where to find those? So barbaraguian.com. You can find all the links there. Okay, so I'll get all the links and I'll put them in the show notes in case anybody wants to do a little shopping. So that's her story. I'm so thankful that you were with us today. I appreciate you sharing your heart. And I'm just so thankful that we got to know you a little better. Thank you, Amanda. It's so amazing to be here and to be able to share. So thanks for having me. And I'm so excited that we are connected too. Yeah, me too. Well, you have a good night. Thanks, Amanda. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. One of the most beautiful things about this story is that God loved these two so much that he couldn't possibly leave them alone. He saw where their lives were headed and he chose to intervene. He chose to send someone to be his hands and feet and meet her husband when he was near death in the hospital. He created a pathway for him in the desert. Thankfully, her husband said yes and turned things around, and the Lord was clearly working on Barbara's heart to prepare her for reconciliation, even if it was a slow process. Because they were committed to making the Lord a priority from then on, now they get to enjoy their Christ-centered second chance. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified of all upcoming episodes. Remember that like in this story, God is at work making rivers in the wasteland. If he can do it for them, I know he can do it for you.